Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do somewhere. Newbert beyond tomorrow. Sam on today. We're still going to have the same great conversations, though. Don't you worry about that. So Sam's coming up here in about 15 minutes. Uh, you don't want to miss out on our conversation, as always. I'll tell you what. Right now, let's get started. It's Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. Big Ten men's hoops from last night. 105-97, to 97, the final Illinois over Minnesota. Both teams shooting 60% or better from the field. Uh, what? Illinois shot 61%. Illinois sh- or Minnesota shot 60%. Minnesota hit 14-3, shooting 70% from range. It's insane. Dang. Garcia and Shannon both dropped 29 apiece. The Illini keep their Big Ten title hopes alive for now. They head to Wisconsin on Saturday at 1 o'clock. A buddy sent me this, and I believe this comes from the Illinois Stats and Notes. Minnesota is the first team to shoot 60% overall and 70% from three-point range and lose since Samford did it, 107-106 in OT to Wolford back in 2019. No power conference team has shot 60% from the field, 70% from three, and lost since 2010-2011. Somebody asked why at least 2010-2011. The play index doesn't go back that far, apparently. So that's how rare it went. Meanwhile, uh, Northwestern held off off Maryland on the road 68-61. Here I am. uh... I don't remember what we took. What did we take on that? I know I took Minnesota. I think we said live bet Maryland if you wanted to get into it. But uh, 68 to 61, the final there tonight. Nebraska will head to Ohio State. State minus three and a half. Rutgers is minus seven and a half as they host Michigan. West Lafayette gets their first sectional win under coach Jacob Van Arsdale last night, who was watched this team steadily improve for the last three seasons. Uh, the win moves them into the semifinals Friday night, 7.30 against host Frankfurt. Westside already owns a 54-39 victory over the Hot Dogs this season. They're trying to win their first sectional title, the Red Devils, since the 2018-2019 season. Pacers won 23-114 over the Pelicans last night. Every time I say Pelicans, I think of Scarface in the bathtub. Oh, Pelican. Uh, Second with 24 points and 11 boards. I can't be the only one. And now you get to join me in the madness because it's in your head now. Um, (laughs) The Bulls rally in double OT. At home, they beat the Cavs 132-123. DeRosa with 35. Andre Drummond, 26 rebounds. 
Tonight on the ice, Blackhawks trying to snap a five-game losing streak as they host Colorado. They hate it when we call it that, right? It's like they throw that little Midwest twang on it just to upset, like, Oregon. I know they hate it when we do that, but you know what? I don't care. Welcome to the Big Ten, jerks. Uh, Blackhawks plus 240 tonight. Colorado is actually down. They opened minus 300. They're down to minus 280. Value. (laughs) Good luck with this one. Hey, look. Blackhawks did beat them once already back in December. Avs blanked them 4-0 in the first game in Colorado. And 3-2, the Avs uh, fell to the Blackhawks in Chicago. So we'll see how this one ends up tonight. I'm not holding my breath. Cubs engaging in spring training and a win over the Brewers. You like to see that as a Cubs fan, don't you? 6-1 that final. Uh, Wicks got to start three innings, four hits, two Ks, no runs. It's a matchup with the Rockies today where Drew Smiley will take the mound. Meanwhile, the White Sox do one of those split squad things, which I absolutely hate. Um, they've lost their third in a row yesterday, 3-1 to one of the Padres. But a two for today as the Sox will take on the Royals and Seattle. And there you go. That is today's Need to Know News for this Tuesday, the 29th. Happy Elite Day. Happy birthday, Tyrese Halliburton, too, by the way. Good for you, big guy. All right, let's get into uh, what we want to play tonight in terms of our betting card. Last night, we held on with thank you, thank you to the Illini for just giving up some late buckets there to make sure that we covered it. Fouled on a three, too. Turned into a four-point play. We appreciate that. We covered that 11.5 from last night. Let's go. What do we want to do tonight? Well, we like to stick in our Big Ten basketball, don't we? So we got two matchups here, and for me, I feel like this Ohio State game is the way to go. I like Rutgers, don't get me wrong. I kind of have to go with Nebraska at the three and a half here. Let me give you the reasoning here. One, Nebraska... Three-point machine. Nobody hits more per game. Ohio State, second to last in opponent three-point percentage. Not, not a good... No, not, not great. Now, I think Nebraska can guard at the rim. That's where Ohio State really likes to score the points. I just feel like the threes are uh, are a big deal here. Tominaga tonight, over 14 and a half. It's a good question. Look, I mean, it comes down to just how... How do you feel about Nebraska knocking down threes on the road? We know that they're prone to go off, and if they can do that, I mean, this is it's not even close tonight. This did open at Ohio State minus 2.5, so it's grown in the Ohio State direction at 3.5. I think I took Ohio State in media mania. So I feel a little bit like a cheat 
coming back here on uh, on Nebraska. But we're getting up, like I said, three and a half points here. Uh, their first game versus Ohio State, Tominaga did not shoot the ball well. Just five points. Shot just 33% from the field. Just didn't play well. That the one he got benched too, right? Mast had 34 points. Thornton had 16 in that one on the road. Yeah, that's the one they sat. He wasn't, you know, he only had 14 minutes. Wasn't playing well. I mean, do they get a repeat performance in that? I don't know. I will say this. Mass has got, Mass sitting at 12 and a half. That's the over-under there. Uh, that's about what he averages for the season per game. He has not gone to 13 points in his last five games. He had 22 versus Illinois, 20 versus Wisconsin. He had 34 against Ohio State. He shows up against the ranked opponents. But at Rutgers, four. At Iowa, four. At Maryland, five. At Northwestern, eight. At Indiana, two. He's a problem on the road against lesser opponents. But you put him up up at home against lesser opponents, 12 against Penn State, 34 against Ohio State. They're on the road. What am I talking about here? But uh, You know what I'm saying here? I don't like... I don't like that trend. God, do I? Did I just talk myself out of my Nebraska pick? I might have just talked myself out of my Nebraska pick. I suck at this, don't I? <laughs> Give me Ohio State. Let's go. I'll go with the fact that I think that they know how to shut down Tominaga. They seem to have an effectiveness there. I think Mass is going to go off for that 34 again. Gimme Thornton. I'll, Lord help me, buy into Ohio State tonight. Complete reversal. I hate myself. I hate this pick. Ohio State, there you go. Might as well just go ahead and pair him with Rutgers tonight. I mean, you have to take that seven. Uh, Michigan, were they one for 19 on the, their road against the spread is horrendous. They've covered once in like two seasons. They're horrible. Doug's not going right, so you'll be good. Really, Rutgers is the bet. Rutgers is the bet. Go ahead, take Rutgers, lay the points. Rutgers is the bet. If you want to get nasty, get into that Ohio State game and take Ohio State. We're going to take a break. We are going to get Sam King on the line here in just a moment. Stick around. He's next. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. Welcome back. It's the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. We're going to go over to our Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, where uh, he normally joins us on Friday, but uh, a little switcheroo here uh, today. We'll get, uh, we're going to get Sam King on with us now. Sam, a uh, happy Thursday to you, buddy. Uh, good to uh, talk with you as um, you know, Purdue is getting ready for a uh, big one here on Saturday. Before we get to Purdue, 
Um, you know, I always like to ask a little bit about your high school days, but uh, you you know, West Side last night they get that W. Uh, Coach uh, Van Arsdale uh, gets his first sectional win, and then of course, what uh, Tuesday, Coach Barrett got his first win as a head coach. Um, it's weird to say congratulations to Coach Barrett and Coach uh, Van Arsdale on your first, but uh, that's how old we've gotten, isn't it? Uh, yeah, both of those guys' fathers were head coaches uh, when I started here 17 years ago, and. Um, so it is kind of cool to see their son succeeding. Uh, I think that with Drake Barrett, you kind of always knew he was going to be a head coach. Um, he kind of came up through the Central Catholic girls system, getting his coaching chops, and moved over to the boys' side in, in the later years uh, when his dad was the head coach, and then it just seemed natural for him to take over. Um, I'm not surprised by uh, Jacob Van Arsdale's success at West Lafayette. I was told this was going to happen when he was hired. I called Carmel's coach, where he'd been an assistant on a state championship team um, at the time, and he said, hey, he's going to figure it out real quick. And then last year, a lot of frustrations, uh, and I think that uh, probably just mistakes you make as a first-year head coach, and on top of that, uh, just probably not uh, a lot of uh, togetherness at times on the courts, but it didn't take long. I mean, West Lafayette's having a phenomenal year. Benton Central had a really good year, too, so to, to knock Benton Central off in the sectional was huge, and uh, West Lafayette has a chance to win a sectional championship this season, which would you know be a huge feather in his cap in, in the early part of his career. All right, let's get into our uh, our Purdue stuff here. Uh, last night, uh, the Illini get a, uh, another win over Minnesota. I mean, every shot seemed to fall for both teams last night, which was... Uh, Kind of ironic. I know our friend Rafael Davis was having fun uh, watching that, so I won't ask you who you have on your uh, all-defensive team ballot from Illinois <laughs> after last night's game, but uh, they do keep pace here. So, um, you know, Purdue with a chance to get a share of the Big Ten with a win against Michigan State on Saturday. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's really big, and it's one game at a time. You know, the two of them, well, they'll tag and go on Tuesday, but going into Michigan State here, that's still a very dangerous animal, so to speak. There's a lot of talent there. They've really rounded in the form, and Sam, I, you just, you don't really like playing Izzo in February and March. If you want, if you have a choice, you want to take him in December if you can. They always seem to get it figured out down the stretch here, and they're starting to do it again. Yeah, and uh, probably the Purdue's benefit, this game is at Mackey Arena. Um, because uh, I've been to a game at Michigan State, and it is uh, it is one of the more hostile environments probably in all of college basketball, but certainly in the Big Ten. Um, but you're right. You know, you look at the record, 17 and 11 doesn't look great. Doesn't look like a, a Tom Izzo type season. But when you look at, and I said this when Purdue went to play Ohio State, even uh, I said when you look at the individual talent on that team, and you put it all together, it's a it's a really dangerous. Uh, Squad, and you feel the same way about Michigan State with Tyson Walker. He's, you know, he's as good as anybody in the Big Ten, probably. Um, you look at Malik Hall's really good player for them. Sissoko is a guy that uh, got taken to the woodshed by Zach Eady last year, so I can't imagine they're going to have the same defensive philosophy of trying to play him straight up. So, uh, always interesting to see what these coaches try to do against Zach Eady, especially when you get a team like Michigan State that you only see once during the course of the season. Um, I would imagine this is going to be probably a closer game than people would anticipate when you just simply look at the records. But you're right. If, if Purdue takes care of business this game, regardless of what happens in the final two regular season games, you're going to win the Big Ten championship or at least a share of it. Um, you're right. There is a, a big game 
on the road on Tuesday, but you're worried about Michigan State and only Michigan State right now. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I wish it wouldn't get decided like this. I wish it would get decided on Tuesday. Uh, I think because we have two fan bases that have definitely been talking to each other for quite some time here uh, about uh, who's better and uh, who is not and who should be this and who should be that. It's gotten a little out of control, and I kind of just wish we'd throw all of that uh, kerosene on the fire, but uh, it will be what it will be, Sam. Um, You're around this Purdue team uh, enough. Tell me, it just seems like the outside noise, and and you brought up some of it because you already got, you, you get the DMs and the emails about go ahead and write the article, they lose again in March type deal. There's a lot of that going around, but this team doesn't seem terribly affected by it right now. They still seem pretty focused on everything. How have they been able to just kind of block out all the outside noise here uh, over the last month and a half? Uh, I don't think you have a, another option. And last year, this team didn't handle some of the adversity as well as this year's team. And, and part of that is just being more mature, but also having a lot of guys back who have played together quite a bit it's interesting you bring this up i've been on the phone um much of the last two days talking to uh some really good uh all-time great purdue players um from the past and uh just you know in casual conversation talking about this year's team and all of them seem to to kind of think like you know this team kind of has every everything where you'd want in a team going into march uh including kind of the reason i called most of these people is uh is point guard play because if you're going to make a run in March, you've got to have a, a really good, heady point guard who can take over a game, and, and Purdue has that. And and last year, as good as Braden Smith was, I don't think he was ready for that um, quite yet. And in a weird way, probably losing to a 16 seed ends up helping this team this year more than anything um, because you kind of have that label that you know you're just going to choke in the tournament, and it kind of provides maybe a little bit of a chip on your shoulder to like, hey, let's just go out in that first game, you know, win a Big Ten championship like we did last year, move into the tournament and uh, go in there and just, you know, wax the team by 40 or 50 points like we should and uh, just get rid of, remove all doubt that, uh, you know, this is a team that can't win in the tournament. We're talking with Sam King on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Point guard, obviously uh, a big deal here. Uh, Three-point shooting has been big. Zach Eady has been big. Defense has been good enough. If there is an area, Sam, that Purdue still needs to improve on or maybe develop, what do you think that would be? Uh, Purdue's been good defensively but hasn't been great, um, especially against teams that have a a takeover player uh, or a really good guard, which if you're looking at what Illinois is doing, uh, offensively right now, this game coming up on Tuesday could be much like the Minnesota game yesterday that was what, 103 to 95. Um, I don't think it's going to be that high scoring, but both of these teams have elite offenses, and it probably will come down to which team can stop the other team's offense better. Um, so I think Purdue's got to be uh, better defensively. Uh, a lot of people are mad, it seems like, just maybe not a lot of people, but the, the people that I on social media or the people who email me that Purdue only beat Michigan by eight. And it's, we're to the point now where there's not enough to complain about because Purdue's been so good that we're complaining that Purdue's not winning road games in the Big Ten by enough points. So if, if that's the case, that tells you you're having a, a pretty special season because uh, 
You know, back in the day, going on the road and beating anybody by eight points, that was enough. And then you come back home and, and take care of business there. So, um, you know, it was probably one of Michigan's best games of the year the other day in Ann Arbor, and Purdue still was able to, uh, you know, comfortably be ahead most of that game. So, you know, you, you take that uh, in stride and, and say, you know, that, that was a pretty good outing to come out of there. But I'm not going to lie, there were some, some things that uh, clearly need to be cleaned up uh, moving forward and, and a lot of that stems on the defensive end, probably more than anything. Yeah, and there, Sammy spoke on something there, and I'm just I'm anticipating, and I don't think a majority of the fans are ready for it. Is to that kind of moving the goalpost, so to speak, on their success? Um, yeah, well, yeah, though no, they won on the road, but it was only by eight points to Michigan. Eh, should have should have at least covered. It'll be oh well, you know, you won the first game. Well, you're supposed to be the 16 seed. Uh, oh well, you know, you made it out of the first round. Yeah, well, you know, talk to me when you guys make it the final four. Oh, you made it. I mean, it's just it's coming, isn't it? I mean, again, you get a lot of the mail. Uh, you get a lot of the comments. It's uh, nothing is going to be good enough for those fans this year, is there? No, it almost feels like final four or bust. Well, uh, even then, I don't think it's going to be good enough for some of them. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And it's, you know, outside of Purdue fan base, it's, I think it's weird that Purdue kind of become this hated. Team that's almost like it's the 1990s Yankees or you know the New England Patriots or something where it's just they've become the team that everybody hates because Purdue's been so good for so long. Well, the difference is Purdue's not won a championship at least not yet, and and those teams won multiple titles and were dynasty teams. So uh, somewhere along the way, Purdue kind of became this uh, you know on par with Kentucky and Duke or schools like that that just get so much hatred simply because they win too much. Sam, there was a big talk earlier this week uh, after Filipowski got caught on the uh, court at Wake Forest uh, over the weekend about the court storming, and I think we started out pretty good with, hey, we need to do something about this. And then, uh, look, Jay Billis has made a lot of contributions to college basketball off the court. His conversations about locking kids up was not one of those things. And then I felt we had this inflection point where uh, the conversation got to, should we or shouldn't we allow this to even happen anymore? and the battle lines got drawn there. Do you feel like we missed out now on the opportunity to be able to have the court storings, but, again, improve how we do this so that people don't get hurt, not just players but coaches, um, you know, cameramen, creatives, people like that that could be stuck in the crossfire? Did we miss our moment here to maybe do something meaningful? Yeah, this was a, could have been a, a teaching moment, and you, know, you can't just come out uh, and say throw kids in jail that run out on the court. Uh, they're... You know, we've seen streakers in the Super Bowl, so people are willing to, to be dumb regardless of what the penalties are. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of am okay with the court storming. Just get the opposing team out of harm's way first. And, you know, the, the photographers and videographers and all those people can kind of decide what, uh, what they deem as, uh, the line of fire to get their shots or whatever, I suppose. But, um, especially in this day and age where kids, you know, teenagers want to go viral on social media, and and this is an opportunity to, if you can go out there and uh, and get some backlash from an opposing player, or especially somebody uh, magnitude of Filipowski, who is a future NBA player, um, it's going to draw a lot of attention to, to certain people's social media accounts or whatever, and that's where you really get into a danger zone. Um, so, you know, if, if you get Duke off the, the court there and, and into the locker room, and then everybody storms, it's you know, great, go have fun and, and celebrate a victory, um, even though I don't know that Wake Forest beating Duke this season at home is, is a monumental upset. Um, 
I think kids are sometimes just looking for reasons to storm the court. But uh, also, just kind of assess penalties. Um, I don't think there's a, a penalty in the ACC for storming the court. And in the Big Ten, I don't think there's a penalty until a program does it three times in a season, which if you're storming the court three times in a season, you're probably a top 25 team. So there's, there's not a, a reason to, to run out on the court if you're continuously beating top programs like that. But maybe, uh, you know, I, I really thought Ohio State did a great job when Purdue lost there a couple weeks ago of handling the situation. Still was a court storming, but I don't think any of the Purdue players felt in danger or like they were in the middle of the line of fire there. It's like, get, get these people out of here and then let the students run out on the court and, and have their fun. So there's ways to do it and still be safe. And, and it's just a matter of maybe uh, seeing a method that works and then teaching the rest of the, the country or the conferences uh, kind of how to handle those situations. I want to be pretty confident that Purdue wins on Tuesday, but Sam, do you anticipate Purdue might ask Illinois, do you have plans in place? Will you put stuff in place to protect our players if for some reason we do lose that game uh, and in Champaign at the State Farm Center on Tuesday? Doing that probably is just going to make it worse, to be honest. Um, but uh, I just, Look, it's gotten very heated. You, you see the stuff on Twitter, and I know Twitter's not a real place, but you, you've seen how knives out it has gotten. I mean... The temperature there is going to be pretty darn high regardless. I just, if I'm Purdue, I feel like I've got to ask, like, can we have something just to make sure here? Because if we got those people on the court saying and doing what they've been doing face-to-face with guys, you just listed off a whole bunch of reasons of, you know, kids getting social media, trying to get reactions and stuff like that. That's just, that, that seems dangerous for a lot of reasons. Yeah, um, and you're right. that For whatever reason, Purdue, Illinois, probably because of the talent levels and seasons that both are having, has become this hated rivalry between fans where it's, it's gotten pretty nasty. Some of the stuff that, and I know social media, you can do it anonymously and not maybe feel as bad or feel that there's consequences, but that probably spills out when you take, you know, you put human emotion into it a little bit. So I imagine that this is going to be a, a tense game coming up on Tuesday regardless. And you're right. Uh, if Illinois does win that game, who knows what might unfold. Um, fortunately, I feel that Purdue's players uh, have been pretty mature, and uh, unfortunately for them, I've had the court stormed on them quite a bit, that they've been well-educated in how to handle those situations. Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier here on the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, he covers your Boilermakers, did a great job uh, yesterday, too, with the uh, women's coverage, by the way. I know that was a uh, that was a tough night for uh, for Purdue and uh, injuries and senior night and taking an L on top of that. I, I know it's been a rough season of growth for Co- Coach Katie Geralds and uh, everyone there. But, uh, again, Sam does such a great job. So lucky to have him here locally covering sports for as long as he's had. So make sure you get those uh, J&C subscriptions and check out his stuff. Sam, uh, always a pleasure, bud. Uh, have a safe trip up to East Lansing on Saturday, and uh, we'll be watching you, bud. Thanks. Sounds good, thanks. Take care, bud. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Hey, got plenty more Hammer Down Show next on 1017 The Hammer 101. Big thank you to Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier. It's The Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. And, yeah, just good, uh, good stuff. I think, again, I go back to the, the, the court storming thing, which... We talked plenty about this week. I told you I'm 100% cool with everybody doing it. I just feel like 
some communication with your student bases, uh, announcements and having a plan, and you can protect other teams' players' personnel and on-court people. And we're all good. I do worry about the Illinois game. I'm not saying anybody's going to do anything, but with the temperature being as high as it is between these fan bases, I just we said my uh, our boss was out here, and uh, he was just over at our Illinois stations the other day, and he's like, so he just brought up, he just literally started talking about Illinois basketball and just started firing, the, the guy started firing off hatred for Purdue right out of the bat. Didn't even mention Purdue. He starts going off. I mean, you see last night, you know, we love Rayfell Davis. That dude's getting attacked on multiple fronts. But Rafael, Lord forbid, had disagreed about having three players on the all Big Ten defensive team from Illinois. And he got into it with a lot of people from that fan base. They were not happy. Then last night's game happens. Minnesota suits 60% from the field, 70% from three. And Ravel's like, who? where's this defense at? Listen, the defense y'all were arguing about was not existing in the first half. Oh, and then they start coming after him. With his old box scores and stuff, too. Like, it it didn't matter. Brad Underwood in the postgame. Now, it's tongue-in-cheek, and I don't have a problem with it. Our boy Rafael Davis at Big Ten Network gave him plenty of motivation. Okay. But where was that motivation in the box score? To play defense. But they also see Ravel's an extension of Purdue and us. And it's gotten, again, it's gotten extremely chippy with these fan bases. Coleman Hopkins with his tweeting. There's been a lot. we, we, We dumped a lot of nitro on this fire. So I think it would behoove Purdue to, to in, in advance here, be like, hey, we're coming on Tuesday. We just want to know, is there a plan in place to get our players off the court safely in the event that we lose the game? If so, what is that so we can prepare our guys so that we don't have Zach Eady on the far side of the court trying to fight through a mob to get to a tunnel? I think it throws, I don't know, same same thought maybe that would do more harm. I I, I think if you're Purdue at this point, you're going to have a share of the Big Ten title, hopefully after Saturday. I'm more worried about just getting out in one piece. Again, I think this is going to be extremely chippy, extremely chippy on Tuesday. And I'm already, I'm, I'm practically looking past Michigan State at this point. I'm not worried about the outcome, Purdue, Illinois. I'm worried about the chippiness, the physicality, and 
just the overall hostility going in there. But Sam's right. You know, first things first, you got to worry about Michigan State. And again, the Spartans have lost their last two. But you can't argue that there's a lot of good talent on there. And when they put it together, it's dangerous. You hope that they just don't put it together. And, and Sam also 100% right. And we're very fortunate this is being held in Mackey Arena. So Michigan State can be one of the nastier places to play. So Purdue, very fortunate that. Uh, look, it's one game at a time. You go out there, you get your W, and uh, you get your share. But if I was Mike Bobinski, I would definitely be firing off an email. I'm like, so what's the plan here? If something, you know, if, if we were to unfortunately lose, what is the uh, what is the game plan so that we could be better prepared and organized and know what we need to do? I don't think there's any harm in that. And I think it also forces Illinois to come up with something. I can't believe we're still talking about that. But it's it's again, it's a very it's a very big worry for me. Should be a worry for the Big Ten. I mean, you don't you don't want one of these things to happen on your court, right? Because that's really For the people that say, hey, listen, we've been doing this for a long time and nothing bad has happened. If we go by that, then when something bad truly does happen, it's all done. Like, it's all over. Right? One future NBA star jacks up his knee in the middle of that. And it's 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 done. Like, they'll literally take it away. I'd rather get something in place and keep the, the court storming than have every school afraid to do it because they don't want to sue the basketball program into oblivion. Like I said, I, get out in front of it now because it's coming. It's coming. You know what else is coming too? March! Happy Leap Day. March is around the corner. You know what that means. You're excited about the hoops. You're getting... You're getting certain apps reinstalled on your phone. You're thinking about brackets. You're having the watch parties, right? So you're doing all this preparation. Do you have your home internet and TV prepared? That's the question. I know I do with Xfinity. I got XFi. All of my apps all in one place. Easy to use. I can do more of what I love with the fastest internet. Wall-to-wall Wi-Fi. So, does it matter where we're at in the home? I know it's going to, the apps, everything, it's going to work. And most importantly, I'm going to have the speed that I need to handle everybody's devices. Because everybody's going to be, what you're watching, people got the tablets going, we've got to watch multiple games here. You're on your phone, you got the apps going, you got to check brackets, you can check a few other things. Right? Can your home internet handle all that? If the question, if the answer to that question is no... Well, you got to holler at my friends over at Xfinity. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or just go check out one of their fantastic Xfinity stores. They're very nice. Have you been to the one on 20? Oh, I love the one on 26. So make sure you check them out. And get your network right in time for the games with my friends from Xfinity. Based on uh, Xfinity's fastest available download, speeds, actual speeds vary and are not 
guaranteed. Uh, I guarantee, though, we'll be right back to wrap up the Hammer Down show on your Thursday. Next on 1017 The Hammer. And 101- Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017 thehammercom Tomorrow, great day to get you ready for that game against Michigan State. Uh, at 3 o'clock, uh, we'll have the Hammer Down Show. Brian Newbert will be uh, my guest tomorrow, and then that'll be followed up with the uh, Boiler Basketball Show with myself and Jeff Julik and special guests Alan Karpik and Nate Barrett, as always. Let's get into some of the things that uh, we may have missed. The Phillies have canceled dollar hot dog night of the ballpark? Why? Uh, There's a BOGO night on April 2nd and April the 16th. Fans can buy one, get one. But no more dollar dogs. It's a bummer. Come on. What's next? Disco demolition nights out the window? No. A potential 14-team college football playoff is being uh, floated around. A 14-team model is being socialized that would uh, grant uh, three AQs each to the uh, Big Ten SEC, two to the Big 12 and ACC, one to the Greater Five, and three at large, says Yahoo Sports. The model's not finalized. And is not only is not the only option. We just got twelve, man. See, I got in this argument with a uh, with uh, one of the kids in the office here because he was listening to uh, some of the barstool guys talk about how Notre Dame's getting totally screwed uh, by not being, you know, and uh, that's awesome they're getting screwed, buddy. No. You're playing for how, what? One of those buys, and what are the odds of you if you join the ACC? You'd have to get in there, get the. You just end up in the in the uh, field anyway, right? Like it's it's super tough to get there. You want the buy? Yes, we talked about this. But Notre Dame is more than happy having a home field advantage on an extra game like that. Is there a guarantee they're going to get there? No. But at the same time, you don't have to join a conference. I think people forget about. Just how big of a deal that can be for you. You get a little less money? Yeah, you do. But look at just what happened to old Jimmy Harbaugh over there at Michigan. Right, the NCAA didn't come after Michigan. It was the Big Ten that was trying to come. The Big Ten, it's your go conference. Notre Dame doesn't have to worry about that. They don't have to worry about appeasing other people. Is it really worth that for a shot at a buy? No. And here's the other thing that those bozos never thought about is, it was going to change eventually anyway. Trust me, Notre Dame's going to be fine. Can we do the 12 team before we go to 14 teams, though? My goodness. We'll get like one season or two seasons of 12, and then we're going to go right to 14, aren't we? And then there'll be a talk of just going to 20 or something. It'll be ridiculous. Just let it be. <laughs> Let's figure out what works and what doesn't work first. I also saw that uh, one of the great uh, movies from... What did the Naked Gun movies come out? Was that late 80s, early 90s? 
They're redoing this with Liam Neeson. Can't we just leave things be? Please, stop remaking everything. Come up with something completely new. Let those things be those things. It's never as good as the original. That being said, I think Liam Neeson's is uh, a little underrated. I think he can really do the dry comedy. I really do. You ever see him when he showed up in Ted 2? And he did all those things with the cereal, with the tricks? Totally sold it. He could actually see, he, he could kind of pull this off, but at the same time, my general thing is, can we just please leave this, please leave this be. And then finally, I, uh, I love the combine. Everybody gets to ask everything, and there are a ton of people out there. Case in point, Texas Tech's Tyler Owens, who is a safety that had a Purdue offer, according to On3. At the podium. Might run the fastest 40 time of the combine this year. Says he doesn't believe in space as in other planets and feels flat earther theories have some valid points. Well. You don't believe in space? You wouldn't have fit in here, man, culturally. It just wouldn't have this wouldn't have been a this wouldn't have been a fit. But maybe you needed it. Uh you know, you walk by Neil Armstrong and uh realize, okay, maybe there is space. How do you not believe in space? How is that a what? Flat earthers have some valid theories, even though they always get disproven. Don't believe in other planets. Yeah, no. Nobody looks at a telescope. We don't have these things called telescopes that you can see all this. We've just been making you arbitrarily memorize in school all these other planets, and then we just keep on messing around with Pluto. Just just to mess with you, man. What do you what do you how do you have a college education, man? Texas Tech. Outstanding. That does it for the show today. Come back tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Brian Newbert, my guest on the Hammer Down Show on 101.